Off the ball, cheering on the girls in green. I followed the Irish women since 1983. 82,000 people, that's going to be something else. There'll be a hell of a lot of Irish in that, and it'll be a hell of a game as well. Love off the ball, we really do love off the ball. OTB AM. The Sports Breakfast Show from Off the Ball. We have living legend Linda Gorman with us in studio. Linda, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Very excited. Can't wait. What are your nerve levels like? Uh, my nerve levels are quite controllable. Right. You know, it can get into the zone, you know. Yeah. But the, um, the idea is to manage your anxiety and, and your stress levels coming up to it because you don't want to expand excess energy and then have nothing for the pitch. That's the thing. And it's such a new, overwhelming experience. My point to this is, though, that Australia must be feeling the same thing as well. Well, obviously... Or more. Whole, yeah, well, I, I suppose the pressure is on them, you know, to perform really, really well today. Again, it's a showcase for them in front of their home crowd. And wouldn't surprise me if half of them were of Irish ancestry as well. Um, so, does, you know, it's a lot of pride in them, but then certainly a lot of pride in us. Yeah. Like, it's such a momentous day, but can you just maybe give a synopsis to everybody of how far this team has come in the last 50 years since that first international against Wales that you were involved in yourself? Well, the, the striking difference is that when there's proper coaching structures in, proper management and proper um, uh, resources, that you can do amazing things. Yeah. And this team has shown that, particularly in the last five or six years, when, when the FAI got behind them, when the country got behind them. Um, and they've just, and of course, the media coverage has said it all because we didn't have that. So when we went and played in Wales in the first game, uh, sure nobody knew that we played in Wales. We just came home and that was part of it. When we played in Dublin the following month, nobody knew. When we played in Wales uh, in October of the same year, 73, now that was completely different because by that time we had had a proper coach in Kevin Healy. Uh, We had been training extra for the Dublin girls. So to go out and play against a formidable French team who had beaten us in Parc de Prince, um, 1973, to go then in 1978, having had all this coaching, really proper structured coaching. We knew what our job was. Um, to go out and draw with them in Tolkien Park was phenomenal in terms of they were hopping mad. Right. You know, absolutely hopping mad. I've, I have um, momentum from them in terms of uh, their best player. I think her name was Michelle Wolfe. She was a massive player. But I happened to be marking her. And um, quite a few really crunching tackles. But one, she got me on the hip and a sliver. I was going to ask, were you giving it to her or was she giving it to you? Oh no, well listen, let's put it this way. Uh, She wasn't getting any joy with me, so she went across to the other side. And of course, Bernadette Cassidy was equally as Aggressive, so she really didn't get a look in, but she certainly left a mark on me, right? Because I she chipped sort of a sliver of my hip bone, and yeah, but I mean, that's these things happen, you know, you have to be brave and fearless and passionate and give it your all, and that's what our girls are going to do today. There is, there is, uh, the Australians have been talking about us being a physical side and our physicality being something that they're prepared for, and sure, like, I mean, I'm sure they're going to be equally physical, but you need to make sure it doesn't boil over because 
referees in the opening game of a World Cup can frequently be like, oh, I'm going to lay down a marker here and I'm going to going to make a name for myself and try and get a game later on in the tournament as well. So how do you, how do you manage that? Well, I suppose the referee will set the tone of the game. You know, um, but you have to try. You have to go in with your crunching tackles and your will to win the ball. Say a, a 80-20 ball, you have to go in with everything. So again, you have to test the referee as well to see what they're going to allow. I mean, we are a physical team, but there are, you know, the African teams are quite physical as well. Um, the um, French are quite physical. You, yeah. you mightn't think it, but they're very good at using the body. Yeah. Yeah, oh, they were very good against us in, in Tala a couple of weeks ago as well. Um, uh, there was um, a couple of things that went wrong for us, but Vera had assured us that they were going to be rectified. Yeah, and I think uh, Katie McCabe came off with like a precautionary injury after half an hour as well. And uh, there is a significant difference, I think especially in the pre-World Cup friendlies where the team we know the team basically it's, it's been fixed the team that was named for that team is going to be the team we think that we'll be getting news of in the next hour or so. And... Um, I can only imagine how, if you're named in that team, you're like, oh, I'm going to play in the World Cup. Definitely not going to try and get injured tonight as well. So there's just a bit. Whereas I'd say France had a proper competition for places in, in some sections as well. I would agree with you there. But if you went out, and I've never done it myself ever, ever, in any game, go out with the thought that maybe you will get injured. You know, it, you can't have that thought in your head at all. You know, and, and Katie was absolutely right to come off. A friendly like France is not... Um, it's not. It doesn't make any difference no. to us. So it's better to be cautious and to have our strength in coming to the World Cup as opposed to finishing out a game. We beat Australia in a friendly in 2021, and at that stage there was there been a really bad run of results. Now against some of the, the better teams, there been a bad run of results, and there was some murmurings about Vera. Uh, but that result turned it round, and then we went on a run of winning games, and confidence surged, and all of a sudden here we are making history today qualifying for a World Cup and playing in the World Cup it has been a real roller coaster well my interpretation of that game they had come to Ireland on the back of having played the Olympics um, and then what happened was they probably had jet lag I never saw so many passes that went wrong and I, I mean uh, Care was hardly in the game she hardly got anything their touches weren't great so you don't know what else was going on with them you know it happens to us it happens to all teams and I was delighted to hear that Vera was having games over there because you need to shake the cobwebs off right. you need to be able to play in a, some type of realistic game you know um, to get all the cells in your body yeah. ready because it's quite a, a journey to travel over there and then the exhaustion of fans that they're great with the fans and then the media so you have to get into a zone and tickets you're sorting out tickets for friends and family as well like it's a, it, it's all a new experience it is absolutely now they would be used to it to an extent particularly recently in the run up to the World Cup because the publicity they're getting and the demands on them you know you manage that type of stuff not in our day like like they have sports psychologists, you know, you have your routines. We didn't have anything because we were going to work and we were saying, you know, uh, next day is work and let's go, you know, and train for the, the next match, but you also trained with your club. So it's completely different to our day. I'm not sure about the um, like sports psychologists work, but you also have to have something in you as well. 
Well, they're working with the raw materials you have. That's it. It's like uh, they can help you shape the thing that the inner drive. And uh, like, so we were talking about this yesterday. Katie McCabe uh, was working in Nando's, wasn't particularly fulfilled by it, and then got the opportunity to go full time professional. But like, she was ready for it, you know. And and even then, there was a she had to overcome. At one stage, it looked like they were going to send her out in loan, but she got named the Ireland captain and. Uh, like that inner drive that she has, even though she'd never captained other teams, has led her to the point where she's ready for this today. Absolutely. She's a fantastic leader. And I mean, it shows in the way she performs. And that's my measure of how somebody is. And you saw against the French game, she was badly missed when she came off. Mm. Now, it's not necessarily that they depend on her, you know, in terms of um, uh, it's, it's her, their dependency is on our leadership. And, and and not what I say, it's what I do. Yeah. That type of leadership. It's the moral courage thing that John Giles always talked about. It's like she'll show for a ball and uh, she'll be in the 80-20, but she'll be the 20 and still come out with it. And all of a sudden that just gives the team a lift. Yeah, but you need that. You see, you need people who are willing to put themselves on the line, you know, come what may. But don't think that it's not a calculated thought like when she's making a move for a ball to win a ball. It's all very much calculated. Can I win it? But your determination gives you that extra half yard. Are you um, a fan of Vera Pau's setup for the starting 11? Um, I'm not quite sure what the full starting 11 is. I sort of hope that Katie McCabe is not going to be in the defence because she's such an asset in midfield. Um, my... Uh, Denise O'Sullivan is, for me, is the real playmaker because of the position that she holds. In terms of, she when she passes a ball, it's the type of ball that she passes. It's always like there's a second ball going to come from that. So it's much the same as snooker. When you're playing the the white ball, you want it to land and set you up for the next. So I, she looks as if she's that type of player. Um, I hope that we're not going to be stretched. I hope that we're going to stay tight and compact um, and read the game a little bit better than we read the French game because we stood off them too much. And I was worried, like, if people didn't know their responsibilities because in the system we played, if if I was a left fall, anything that came into this area was my territory and if I lost the ball, I had to win it. Yeah. You know, so it was sort of a different mentality and they play a different type of style. Yeah. I hope that's a psychological thing where they were just a little bit off that because there was so much going on. Whereas today, it's like absolutely the day of your life. Well, staying away from media and all that and getting into the zone and being a group and knowing the, the, the final starting line is only just going to enhance it. And then when you think you have players on the, on the bench mm. who, you know, like um, they would come on and give us a bit of strength and because they're just ready yeah. you know some players are better coming on than yeah. starting Amber Barrett's record off the bench is sensational yeah, well, 6 or 7 goals are off the bench yeah, yeah because if you think of it like she comes on as if she's played a half a game she's straight into it yeah. and yeah. what I love about her is she's goal orientated yeah. that's what she sees and I see that with Anya O'Gorman as well like her first thought is forward pass can I find somebody forward if I can't find them I'll go to the side if I can't find that I'll go back you know but it's always this planning and thinking It's nil all by the way in the open game so far after half an hour it's New Zealand nil Norway nil I think Norway are favourites for this game 
Um, but after half an hour, if we were nil all after half an hour, we'd be like, okay, that's it. Half an hour of the World Cup in. Everybody take a big deep breath. Let's go. I, I'm, I come from the um, mindset of uh, best form of defence is attack. Right. And you need the whole team to do that. So when I talk about that, I'm talking about if you put pressure on the person on the ball, the other players around you have to be able to read the game so they're cutting out any potential pass. You know, and sometimes if we stand off too much, they're going to, they're so technically good, mm. they're going to um, just, you know, walk around us. Having said that, when you look at the experience on those of those Australian players, I mean, they were all on the underage international teams and they their debuts were a very, very young age. Yeah, yeah. And so they have. They have tour- some of them have tournament experience of oh, the underage tournaments. Um. Yeah, yeah, but the, the age where they made that debut—I mean, fifteen for care, you know, eighteen is the average, you know. And then when you look at the team and you see like the countries they play for now in their regular seasons, um, I mean, up to the first five ranked countries. Uh, you know, the, yeah. the Aussies are playing there. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So they're, they're a very good side. We, oh, we need technically to very good. Technically very good. We need so to be with cautious. Your, with your philosophy of attack as the best form of defence, regardless of the personnel that get picked here, are you in favour of the back three that Vera Powell seems to play for Ireland? And, and, and to actually mention one person, Katie McCabe, quite deep as a left wing back. Is that getting the best out of her and also the team? Well, I saw them playing. I saw Katie playing left full in one of the American games, and she was making great passes. But the pa- she ha- and she was making excellent passes. But the passes couldn't be supported because they were long passes. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Now, if she was to play in midfield and look for openings that the two forwards can get in behind them, yeah. that would be wonderful. You know, um, Vera obviously feels that the. Australian attackers are very, very strong, you know, and um, I mean, they're prolific goal scorers. They, they have huge amount of talent and that's one of their assets, that they are goal scorers and they wait for the opportunity. Um, and again, with Katie's experience, that might lend a hand. But Louise Quinn is quite experienced as well. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. Uh, the age profile is kind of exactly what you want. It has some... Uh, old stagers who know exactly what it means to be in these games and then it has a sprinkling of youth and some inexperience in terms of um, the setup but new blood that has come in and kind of freshened things up as well so well, that, that's very important anyway for the development of the game at that level and you have to remember we're going into the Euros in September yeah. so that's a great you know and Abby Larkin is just shining now for such a young player yeah. you know she's she came, did really really well against France um, so she's potentially you uh, know a wild card from the bench as well yes um, Linda before we wrap this up we, we've been talking obviously about the game specifically but in terms of a legacy for the tournament right um, I think it's it's fair to say that the FAI didn't capitalise on Ireland qualifying for Euro 88 and Italia 90 we kind of like just let, let that happen and we didn't build Academies, and we didn't build facilities, and we didn't make the case that football should be getting funding at a, a level commensurate with the popularity of it, and also the potential for jobs. Like it, we can literally create hundreds, if not thousands, of jobs in the football industry if we had one. Um, what do you hope comes out of this team qualifying for the World Cup? <clears throat> My biggest, biggest hope is that we will now be able to measure ourselves technically against the best teams, and 
my belief is that we have to match them technically. Facilities, you know, they're wonderful to have, but it's the ability to be able to have an arsenal of skills at a high level that you can execute in speed to match the other teams. And also that you have enough leg you know, enough, enough in your legs for a quite an amount of speed on the pitch. Now, I'm talking about all-out speed because, you know, in games, everything is 100%. You give everything 100% in your, in, your, in your runs. So that needs to be matched off. So maybe we need to escalate the, the, the amount of speed work that we do. So that's uh, strength and conditioning and coaching is, is kind of what you were talking about as Absolutely. a legacy. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm talking about futsal that type of stuff cover I'm talking about that that that's so so important at a young age you know and that's where we need to be looking at the young age you made your debut for Ireland 50 years ago obviously in the first ever fixture you're still playing football now I am I love it I had the game at the guys yesterday up in Abbottstown um, they're one of the groups I play with I also play with Bose I'm heading off there now to watch the game with some of the ex-players yeah, um, yeah I, and I absolutely love it and if I could say anything to any of the girls to encourage them to come back it's the question that I, I get asked all the time by the girls is are you not afraid to break a bone and I say, when, when I went out to play football, I never thought I was going to be afraid or never entered my head if I was going in for a tackle that I knew I'd no right to get, but I got. You play, it's walking football, is it? Ah, listen, don't use the word walking. Do you want to see my bruises? And that's only my hand. <laughs> I want to use in the description you used when you were inducted into the FAI Hall of Fame last November and you were talking about how you played two or three times a week, is it? Four times. Four times a week. Yeah, I played down in Cherry Street, Olivia O'Toole's. That's really skillful. Olivia O'Toole's. Now, I wouldn't have the futsal and all that, but I have, a, I think, of say that I have a good reading of the game and my first touch is good and my first pa- passes are good but only because as a young girl there's a tree outside my house that was planted and in the morning before I went to school I got the ball on my own on the green and just tried to hit the tree you know that type of stuff I think there's an argument that Cherry Street might be the most important road in Irish football why do you say that? because like about 15 Ireland internationals have come from it that's what you know of. You should see the skill down there. And, and the only way I could explain it to you, I, the, the 70s and 80s World Cups, Brazil and Argentina, and you'd see someone, or cry a skill that, God, that's amazing. And I can guarantee you, 24 hours later, that would be mastered in Sheriff Street. Mastered to a T. And the measure of it would be that it would be used in the game. So and so, it, I went out to see Sheriff playing another Sheriff team. Um, the, the players have moved to different teams, and a skill at the over thirty fives was right. amazing. Right, <gasps> fabulous. Well, Linda, enjoy the game today. Who are you watching it with? I'm watching with Breda Hanlon. She scored first goal um, at home against Northern Ireland. I'm playing with Bernadette. I'm meeting Bernadette, Bernadette Cassidy, who. Um, was named man of the match against France in 78. Um, Catherine Bourne, who played international both at underage and also um, senior, who went off and um, had a career in America, um, and a few other friends. Listen, Hall of Famer Linda Gorman, always great to spend some time in your company. Thanks a million. Enjoy Thank the game. Thank you very much. OTB AM. The Sports Breakfast Show from Off the Ball.